Good morning and welcome to this week's public affairs program. I'm Amy Adams. This week I had the privilege to sit down with Vandenberg County's first elected female prosecutor, Diana Merce. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. First of all, we want to get to know you. So can you tell us about the um, first female elected prosecutor in Vandenberg County? That's it. That's exciting right there. I grew up here in Evansville. I went to North High School and then, you know, went to IU for law school and then on to um, Thomas Cooley in Michigan for law school. And um, right after that, I worked as a uh, deputy prosecutor uh, in a county south of Chicago for a time and really just loved uh, prosecution. I was in Will County, Illinois, and it was a super high volume courthouse. I got a lot of trial experience that way and ended up focusing um, on domestic violence cases. I had a real passion for those. A lot of those cases go to trial due to the contentious nature of them. So I just fell in love with um, trial work as I suspected I would. I first wanted to become an attorney when I was in high school. I won the state debate uh, tournament in 1999 with my uh, partner, Josh Claiborne. We were a policy debate team. And it's very similar to being in the courtroom because you have a a resolution or a case you're working on, and then you have to research evidence and things like that. So I thought, you know, I'd really like to do something. It kind of came naturally to me, the public speaking. Uh, Not initially. I used to be very shy, uh, but I worked really hard on it, and I loved that I could outwork other people. So that's kind of something that um, I view myself as. I'm a very hard worker, um, and, you know, if I have a case or anything that I'm working on, um, I am very motivated and competitive to, to work on that to be successful. And so I think that carries over well to being an attorney, um, and it has so far. So I started out in Illinois, and then um, I came back to Indiana after a few years, and worked for uh, the Secretary of State's office, and I was a special prosecutor there. I traveled around the state prosecuting securities fraud and loan broker fraud, so I got more of a financial crimes background, which was very nice. You don't typically get that in a normal prosecutor's office unless you're much older. Um, Experience with the financial crimes, which are extremely devastating, and it's surprising to know, and I would like everyone to realize that we do have a lot of financial crimes in Indiana, including Ponzi schemes, so Anybody that's promising you a return for something on your money, uh, that's something to really watch out for. There's a lot of rules um, around those cases and um, a lot of fraud that happens. So I I did that for five years. Uh, The treasurer of state picked me up as an executive director um, over one of her boards after that that had to do with uh, watching over bank public funds. And then I missed the courtroom, so I ended up going back uh, to the state at the attorney general's office. Um, where I was for five years and immediately before this. It's the state's largest law firm, and I manage the largest litigation section in that firm, the government litigation section, and we had cases all over the state, so all 92 counties potentially, and then we had the northern and southern district of Indiana. So we were very busy in that section. We had 24 attorneys and 10 paralegals and some other support staff that I managed. So Um, It's very similar um, to what is happening now, except in the prosecutor's office now, it's a lot more centralized, um, just to, you know, Vandenberg County, uh, which makes things a lot easier in a lot of ways. So that's kind of how, that's the story of how I came to the the prosecutor's office. 
Okay. Well, what motivated you, or did you already answer that in all of that, um, to uh, politics and run for prosecutor? What's your motivation? Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm regularly home um, in Evansville. Uh, my family's here, and I, I come back a lot. And I just, I'm, you know, aware of what's going on in the community. And, uh, you know, just hearing things, um, like everybody else, you know, you could see in the media, there was some things happening with the, the past prosecutor. And I just really care about who runs that office. And I really missed doing criminal law just personally. Um, and, you know, I was in a position where I was leading a team of attorneys. And so I wanted to continue that sort of leadership role. I really have a passion for that, managing attorneys and mentoring other people. And, um, you know, I've, I've been around uh, the state house, so I kind of, you know, can understand what needs to happen in that perspective. Managing, you know, a law firm, a private law firm is, is much different than managing a government law firm. There's a lot of responsibilities and um, things that come with, you know, a government law office and, and a lot of players and things like that. So, you know, I had that experience and I thought I, I just was reading the news articles like everybody else and talking to my family. And I started to just ask around, really, um, who's going to run against the current prosecutor, because I think we need to change. And nobody was going to do it. <laughs> so I just did it. <laughs> it was a very, um, you know, it had been in my heart for a while uh, that I wanted to do it. And, you know, the timing was right. And I just, I couldn't see, I couldn't see no one challenge uh, what was going on. And so um, I moved home and I worked, uh, you know, we had remote work at the AG's office. So I moved home last year and I've, um, yeah, I just started working on it. And luckily was successful. <laughs> yeah, we're glad you're in that office. And, and speaking of the um, prior um, prosecutor, Nick Herman, what changes are you going to make? Yeah, so I am, there's going to be a lot of changes. I mean, you know, um, the public may not see them. Criminal law is uh, also dictated by statute. So, you know, cases will still go to court like they do and things like that. But as far as the office goes, uh, first of all, I'm focusing really heavily on compliance and making sure things are being done the right and correct way um, for a few reasons. One, to make sure there's not anything going on that shouldn't be going on. And then also to make sure that we're using county resources, you know, the best way possible. So this is something I'm used to crafting budgets and, and managing that kind of thing from my previous experience. So we've um, dove right in and you probably saw the article on canceling the we tip information line we already have yes. information lines available from EPD okay. and the sheriff so I will um, I want to talk I want to my goal would be to get a, a line that is free that uh, the community can use because they're duplicative as well so someone would call we tip and someone would call sheriff and the EPD line if that makes sense yeah. So I think that it was really duplicative. Um, it was costing a lot of money. It's a company in California, and they they do save the information, and I don't know what they're doing with it. Um, there was a lot of issues there. So I was, you know, reading over the, the contract terms, and, or the, uh, I don't know, it's not really a contract. It's like the terms of use that they have, I guess. But anyway, I didn't think that WeTip was worth it, for example, and then the advertising going along with it, um, which came out as a PSA, I do think PSAs are helpful, but I'd like to uh, tailor those to something that's really helpful in the community. For example, you know, if I want to do a PSA about human trafficking and what are the signs of that, I think that would be a lot more beneficial than something like uh, advertising for WeTip, for example, when, you know, we could advertise the free sheriff and EPD line and not have that duplicitous 
uh, sort of thing there. So things like that. I'm looking at, um, you know, just uh, making sure that staff are in the right place in the office. So this week I'm working on creating, um, and we're at, like, I think what week or day eight now, <laughs> we're <Yeah>. creating um, <laughs> courtroom management positions. So I can make sure we have a strong anchor of experienced attorneys in each courtroom and, um, you know, they can mentor um, others in the courtroom and make sure that case caseloads are, are, you know, just distributed evenly and all of that. So we're working on moving people around the office based on their skills and their interests um, to better, you know, streamline everything. Um, we've interviewed all of the attorneys individually um, and support staff. We're on the support staff now um, and investigators. So we're kind of that's what we're doing now is kind of moving um, people around to increase efficiencies and then looking at, you know, all the administrative and budget stuff. Uh, the other thing that the prosecutor does is I am statutorily a member of a lot of boards. For example, there's an infant fatality review board um, that I learned about. We um, I attended a week-long training with the Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council before starting, um, and it's geared towards newly elected prosecutors and their staff. So my chief deputy, Winston Lynn, and I attended that. And, you know, you learn a lot about um, the statutory uh, requirements of boards and things that you are a part of. So we're also um, getting that um, getting that squared away. And um, we have hired a person to help also with uh, administrative, like, office things and um, finance. So we'll have uh, two finance people. We'll have somebody who... Um, sort of the you know overhead of it but then we'll have another person to help pay bills and sign off so i definitely am instituting double sign-off systems on all financial things um and you know making sure that we have a good um checks and balances and, and grasp on what's what monies are going in and out of the office and why so that's that's been the main focus uh this this past week sounds like you have your hands full already yes yes <laughs> <laughs> well uh 2023 started off in the first day with a murder. I mean, what mm -hmm. is the crime rate in Evansville in this area? I mean, do you see it on the rise? And, and if so, what is going on? Yeah, crime is definitely on the rise. Um, we have uh, more gun violence now um, and more, uh, you know, homicides, as you can see, the very first day. I was uh, sad to see that we already already had one. Um, we have, because of Evansville is uniquely situated between, you know, Kentucky and Illinois, and uh, we're close enough to Chicago, we do have um, some gang violence that makes its way here, unfortunately. And, you know, everyone's battling it. Of course, we have fentanyl issues and things like that. But as far as the violent crime, which I think is number one on everyone's list, right? Um, right. That's kind of, that's kind of the issue that we're facing. So I've already, this week, we also met with the U.S. Attorney's Office, and I've met with um, ATS, um, so that's Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and we are, um, we're going to pull resources together to really fight uh, these, these gun crimes. Um, it is a number one focus. If we have too much violence in Evansville, and again, this is another thing that, you know, obviously motivated me and why I care about the prosecutor's office. If Evansville has too much violence, you know, people will leave. Uh, we've seen it happen in um, Indianapolis, for example. You know, the, the areas around there, uh, Carmel and Fishers, have an influx of people because of gun violence. And I don't want that happen to happen to Evansville. It's a great place to live and grow up. 
you know, I grew up here. Um, I, I really care about people having a good uh, life here and staying here and not going um, elsewhere, like Newburgh, for example. So um, Newburgh is lovely, but I want people to stay home. So. Exactly. And, uh, and I don't want people to leave because they feel it's not safe. Um, so that's my number one, absolute number one priority. I will pull every resource that I can. We're looking into grants um, for tools to fight crime. Um, I'm going to be very judicious about advertising the tools that we have in our toolbox. Um, I want it, you know, I, I want our office to uh, know, I want people to know our office is working hard and getting credit for these things, but I also, um, criminals watch too, right? So right. Um, that's kind of a, a something that's been on my mind is advertising the tools that we have to um, get convictions. Um, I want to make sure that we don't put so much information out there that folks can subvert it in a way. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, if, if someone knows um, you use a certain thing, they, they may alter it <laughs> so you can't track it, for example. Right. So, right. Things like that. But we are um, talking about some great uh, tools that we can use specifically targeted uh, for gun crimes and really just resources, you know, using um, – working with the U.S. Attorney's Office as well to possibly sentence people when they have um, harsher penalties federally, um, things like that. So there are, I will say the good, the good news is that most of the crime is a certain number of people. So the repeat offenders um, and we have our eyes on, on these certain amount of people. So if we can figure out a way to um, take care of that, um, it's, it's not such a widespread community problem. It's it's definitely a pool of people who are committing most of the violent crime, if that makes sense. Yeah, and okay, here, here's a big question for you. Does Evansville, do we have gangs? I mean, really? I mean, there's a lot of shootings. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. Um, you know, we may not have the gang headquarters, for mm-hmm. example, but we do have, yeah, we do have gang activity, and we do have, um, you know, folks living here that are... Um, doing work for the gang so do, do they come from um, bigger cities like chicago st louis indianapolis and and, and live here and, yeah mm. yeah typically um there's a lot of chicago um gang activity that comes here and yeah they, they do they do come from other cities now you take domestic violence and sexual abuse seriously I sure am and i you know want them to know that they have a safe place to to come in the prosecutor's office and that we will fight for them. Um, we have a great, we have seven victim advocates. We have a great group of them. Um, I actually have, I've had a case in Vandenberg County before and the same victim advocate is still there. She's been there for years and she's sort of the head of head of the group. But so we have great victim advocates, but also uh, partnering with Holly's house and Albion fellows bacon center. Um, I've been to Holly's house so far uh, to take the tour. Um, and, you know, we sit in on, um meetings and things like that we have um groups that meet and kind of discuss the different law enforcement partners um discuss how we can best serve specific cases and i'll be going to those meetings personally and also sending a deputy but um, i've also actually just hired um, an experienced deputy who um, has a heart for those type of um those type of uh, cases domestic violence cases and she's um, you know, going to be ready to go. And like I talked about in the campaign is just trainings, you know, the way to handle properly and the best way to handle so we don't uh, re-traumatize and dissuade folks from reaching out for help is uh, making sure we're staying abreast on training, especially also child cases, 
um, you know, interview techniques and ways to try cases are constantly changing, and there's nationwide experts dedicated to that. So I'm going to make sure that the, the deputy prosecutors handling those cases are getting those trainings. Um, it's going to be a specific, uh, tailored to a specific group of deputy prosecutors typically um, so that they can, you know, have the expertise. And then unfortunately, you know, if we see people are victims again, um, they kind of are able to build that relationship so we can have successful prosecutions and, you know, just pouring resources um, into them to make sure that we're doing everything we can on our side uh, to make sure that, you know, we get justice for the for the victims and, and to keep them safe, which is the number one thing. So Right. And, and really, people are looking from the outside. Um, why don't you just leave? And it's really not that easy, is it? Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's very, yeah, from the outside, very frustrating. You know, why don't they just leave? And, and people sort of, um, you know, get angry and, and think, like, we're wasting all these resources on, on mm-hmm. this sort of thing. And um, these are just relationships. And uh, there is a, a cycle of violence. There's so much uh, data um, on the psychology of all this. And when you're not in it or predisposed to it, I don't think that you can really understand. Um, and in any regard, you know, um, these are essentially crimes against the state. So sometimes, you know, even if the victim doesn't want you to go forward, you can still go forward. They're just your witness. So, you know, as a deputy prosecutor, I had plenty of cases where I, I took them to trial and was successful with a victim who was recanting. Um, you know, we'd have photos and things like that. So, you know, the crime did happen and they made a statement right after and all that. Body cams now are very helpful with this, too, because you can see the scene, you know, as it's right. happening, if the officer responds. But, um, yeah, there's it's a it's a psychological thing. And then sometimes, you know, uh, women are afraid to leave because of, you know, financial reasons or, or whatever it is. Um, right. Children are, involved. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, it's very, very hard. And, um, you know, that's not, nothing we would ever, um, the blame on the victim would never uh, come up in, in our office. So and if it did, that would be a huge problem. Um, but yeah, there, the, the public is sometimes, um, you know, confused by these cases, but the law is hard too, especially criminal law. You know, it is a specialty, right? There's a right. lot of nuance to it that the public doesn't really get to see. Um, you know, a heart surgeon can do heart surgery, and if something goes wrong, the public doesn't really weigh in on that, right? Right. Um, but lawyers, we are in the public eye, especially prosecutors, especially criminal law cases. And so there's a lot of nuance that goes on, um, and especially, I think, in domestic violence cases. Um, but, you know, I want folks to know that we are um, going to be well-trained and working with um, Holly's house, who frankly has all the experts on this. You know, we're the people that go to court and we have to, um, you know, know about these these techniques and the latest, um, you know, interview um, techniques and things like that. But really, um, you know, there's a lot of experts dedicated to these topics that help us along on the way. So we'll be using those. So an abused person, you know, if it's domestic or sexual abuse, they have places to go, people to reach out to who can give them advice. Am I right about that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Holly's House, um, Albion Fellows Bacon Center. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of resources. I mean, I was, it's really, um, Evansville is awesome as far as resources go. It's just making sure people know that, you know, that's where they can go. And, you know, the prosecutor's office, we have victim advocates that can help um you know, hook you up with, with resources that you need um, if you find yourself um, actually having a, a case um, with someone. But, 
yeah, there, there's a lot of resources in Evansville. And, um, you know, we're working on the website. It's down right now. But um, I want to make sure that we're, you know, linking those kind of things. So if someone is, is looking um, at the prosecutor's office website, they'll have those resources available. Okay. Earlier, um, you mentioned human trafficking. Is that an issue in, in Evansville and the surrounding area? Yeah, it is actually. Um, and there are, this is actually Human Trafficking Month. <clears throat> so a human trafficking awareness month usi is putting on a movie on january 24th um about human trafficking and i think it's um it's misunderstood a lot a lot of people think of only sex trafficking mm-hmm. um but it's also you know labor and things like that so um you know i'm i'm learning more about it i haven't uh, prosecuted myself human trafficking cases and again it's a specialty the attorney general's office actually uh, does a lot of human trafficking awareness just around Indiana. In fact, they go around to the schools and things like that and um, talk to folks about what to look for. Um, so, yeah, it, it, we do we do have it. It is in our community. Um, I think sometimes it's hard to pin down just because of the transient nature of it. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I want to work on uh, with law enforcement um, to make sure that we are Uh, properly identifying it and doing something about it where we can. Yeah, I see on social media all all the time um, a a woman in, say, Walmart with her children, and she says, this man followed us around the whole store. And um, that that is just scary because, that you know, he could have kidnapped kidnapped her or or kids, and it's just scary to think about how easy it might be. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it is, um, is different than that. It will sort of, um, you know, they'll sort of get the victim to isolate and, and run away with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens more often than the the grabbing of children, I believe. But yeah, it's just always good to be aware of what's going on. And, you know, if you feel suspicious or see anything, the best thing you can do is get a good identification of the person, look them right in the eyes. Um, you know, think of any identifying factors of that person, you know, because you can't describe them. We can't do anything. And just make sure you get a good identification and a license plate number or anything like that. It maybe take a picture of them if you, if you can, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Why do you think there are not a lot of female prosecutors nationally? That kind of surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I looked uh, when I ran to see, you know, how many how many there were. I, you know, I think it's, it's almost like any other profession. I think, first of all, you know, you're putting yourself out there mm-hmm. um, to criticism. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's more of, um, it, it's really interesting. It's, it's hard to speculate, but what I would think, you know, I, I've read a little bit about it and why women run less, because I, I thought that statistic was interesting as well. Um, and in Indiana, we're about, you know, where the national average is, too. We we have women prosecutors, and certainly there were more. I was encouraged to see when I went to the Prosecuting Attorneys Council conference, there were more um, women elected prosecutors. But I think, you know, it's a combination of women shouldering a lot of the work at home, for example. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, if women work a full-time job and they're, they don't have husbands who are willing to help out cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids, if that's all falling on women, it's everything from, you know, Christmas shopping to whatever it is. You know, that women do so many tasks that are in addition to their work life. Um, so if men aren't 
you know, helping out with that at home, I think it makes it harder. So that's a barrier to entry um, for, you know, professional jobs that require a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also I think the criticism tends to be a little bit different, right? So I think, you know, I think sometimes um, if men are bad actors or do something wrong, it's you always, I've heard it the whole campaign, like, oh, he's a good guy though, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but women get criticized, I think, in a different way. And I think that's true. And so I think sometimes women just don't want to put themselves out there um, because, you know, you, you do get criticized in a different way, whether it's how you look or how your voice sounds, all that kind of stuff. But also just, you know, women, um, sometimes I think our standard is higher. Um, I think it's 100%. And um, I don't think that's always the way for men. Because um, it is, you just draw more scrutiny because you kind of stand out as a woman um, mm-hmm. putting yourself out there in public and, service. And you have to have a whole lot of confidence as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and, you know, and, and during um, a campaign, obviously, it's it's very, you know, you're getting criticized. For mm-hmm. example, it was, uh, during my campaign, I, I took issue with, um, you know, I, I've done all this trial work and I've done all this work and, and, and it was some, there was an article that was like, no, she didn't do that. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I did. You know, um, so it, that was just a really surprising reaction. I, I don't think I've ever seen um, that happen to a to a guy, and I don't know if that's why it happened, but um, mm. it was even a trial like I was at. You know, I have the transcript from it, um, and it was just like, well, prove that prove that you did this. You know, trial. Um, for example, it's like, well, yes, I was there. Um, sometimes wrote a letter. <laughs> sometimes it's probably harder to face your public than it is actually with the criminals, isn't it? I mean, right, right. it's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, definitely. I was, it's funny. I was <laughs> definitely looking uh, forward to just, you know, going into court and, and doing things that way. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because the public, you don't know what's going to what's going to arise or right. what people are going to think or say. But, you know, Evansville has been really um, supportive, and there's been a lot of women who have, you know, in Evansville paved the way before me, too. So that w- that really meant a lot to me. And, um, you know, generally I felt like it was fine, and um, I was ready for it, too. You know, I right. mean, that's okay. You're putting yourself out there, so you just have to it's just... let it roll off your back. And you're going to get criticized, and men do, too. Um, so, you know, who knows? Um yeah, unfortunately, it's part of the job. Right, right. Yep, exactly. It was just part of the necessary part of, um, you know, stepping up to lead. And it really got me ready for, you know, in a way, the campaign. It, you meet a lot of people, so that's great. But it just gets really gets you toughened up for the, the job at hand. So, Well, we're almost out of time here. Um, I have one more question for you. Um, What advice do you have for young girls and women that have dreams that they want to pursue, whatever it may be? Yes, I love this question. So call me if you need a mentor. (laughs) Right. Um, Truly reach out. Uh, Find um, other women who will, uh, you know, who you can look to for an example and men. Um, Reach out to people and let them know what you want to do. Everyone is so you know, most of the time, everyone's so welcoming. Um, and just go for it. I mean, it, someone's got to do it, it might as well be you. So this is, you know, something that kind of pushed me over the edge when I was going to run for office. And, and I had a, a really close friend. And he's the person that I called because I knew he knew the political environment here, but also he knew me. So we've known each other since we were 15. And um there was a lot of, you know, doubts and, and things like that um, that would come my way. But the people that really knew me were encouraging. 
And so just find that core group of people that you have, your mentors, and just keep your head down and just keep working. People will project their insecurities onto you. So that was a huge thing that I had to overcome. Like, you know, you'll, you'll never do this. You're not an incumbent. You don't have as much money. You don't, you know, but you can outwork anyone. You can. And if you just, you know, a little bit each day, just keep going. Again, don't let people project their insecurities onto you. Um, and even if you have insecurities, you know, do it anyway. You know, do it scared, as they say. Right. Um, you will be scared. You're going to be nervous. You're going to, you know, some days regret your decision to not live an easy life. Um, <laughs> that would just make you better you, at your job, too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You just have to keep going. And, you know, that tenaciousness, if you if you want to lead and want to do something that where you're putting yourself out there, that tenaciousness gets built over time and, and, and running for office or something like that or going for a big promotion. That's just all part of it. That scrutiny that you're put under and then you'll be better. You know, that that uncomfortable feeling eventually goes away and you'll be better for it. Um, you know, and you're going to have good days and bad days and you just have to understand that that's going to happen. Um, but you're you know, what, what do you want your legacy to be is kind of what I think about, um, you know, what do I want people to remember me for? And, um, you know, being a, a great prosecutor and, and leader is one of those and doing something good to help Vandenberg County is really, truly important to me. And, you know, I'm honored that I'm honored to be here in a spot where I can be an example for, for other young people. And um, I hope that they um, reach out if they need to. I want to thank you. Diana Merce, the newly elected Vandenberg County Prosecutor, for being here this morning. And I want to thank you for joining us for this week's public affairs program. From all of us from Midwest Communications in Evansville, Indiana, have a great week.